This episode is brought to you by serial killers walking past you and not picking you. Fuck! What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Dirty Dirty Show, where we talk about things you shouldn't say around your mom. I'm your host, Chris, and with me, as always, is Abby, Daniel, and Garrett. Today, we're going to be talking about murderers, serial killers, unsolved murders, and just murders in general. Murders. Murder. And I have some interesting factoids about mine. Toids. Yes. Well, interesting hemorrhoids? What? Garrett, I think you should start. Please talk like that. Please don't fucking talk like that. So. <laughs> Never mind, don't. For this researchable topic. Researchable <laughs> just doesn't have an accent. <laughs> you make me want to kill myself. I chose the Manson family. <laughs> uh, Charles Manson, that is. I was going to say Marilyn Manson. Not Marilyn, Marilyn Manson. Manson. Not Marilyn Manson. Um, kills it. So, the Manson family was a desert commune. And cult, led by Charles Manson. They were active in California in the late 1960s and early 1970s. And some people are still active and say that they operate under the Manson family as of today. The group consisted, the main group, the original group, consisted of 50 of Charles Manson's followers, mostly young women, um, which I did not know. Um, I did know he had like... There was women that were, like, all about him and, like, loved him. We'll get into it. (laughs) The family believed that Charles Manson was a manifestation of Jesus and relied on his prophecies and orders, basically. Let's get into the murders. Murder. So, most of the murders were committed by a group of his right-hand women, right-hand women, um, Tex Watson, Susan Atkins, and Patricia Krenwinkle. <laughs> Patricia! That's what they fucking call me, Krenwinkle. Yeah, uh, however, all of the members of the family <clears throat> committed petty crimes and a number of other murders as well. Uh, the but, range. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the main ones were committed, the, the ones that they were known for were committed by that group of three, plus two of their people that they had kind of come with them sometimes. So we'll start with Bernard Crow. Bernard Crow was a drug dealer that Watson defrauded. Uh, Crow responded to that defrauding by threatening to wipe out the entire Manson family. What does defrauding mean? Defrauding the princess. That's <sighs> no. Flowering. Oh, oh. <laughs> Have I ever mentioned that I hate it here? So, basically... Does that mean stealing his shit? No. Bernard Crowe was selling drugs. Yeah. A lot of them. And a lot of them were faulty or not good. Um, They were bad drugs. So, he was fraudulently selling good drugs. And they defrauded him by basically saying, hey, your drugs are shit. Oh, I see. Um, And the guy was like, my drugs are shit? I'll kill all of you. Gotcha. Don't know why that's... Why reasonable but when when was all this taking place like this was, was the uh, 70s no this was 1969 okay um nice at the very beginning <laughs> yeah good number but he responded like i said by threatening to wipe out the entire family so they said <laughs> that's cute 
<laughs> then they drove to his house and fucking shot him. Cool. Just shot him. What pussies? They should have strangled him. Oh, it gets a lot worse. 1969 was when uh, Jimi Hendrix played Woodstock, just FYI. Fantastic. Little tidbit. Super weird time to bring up a guitar player, but. When it was 69. continue (laughs) moving on to the second prevalent murder Gary Allen Hinman so I don't know if you guys related this but last name is Hinman Hinman was some teachers at our school that we went to I fucking loved him wasn't his first name Allen Allen? yeah was it yeah yes So here's where it gets weird. I love that guy. <laughs> Gary Allen Hinman was a music teacher oh. and PhD student at UCLA. <laughs> that was scary. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah. Related? I don't know. You I don't decide. Think so. Yeah, you decide. So Charles Manson befriended him, believed that he had considerable stocks and bonds and that he owned his property. He lived on a beautiful, giant, ridiculous property. And... uh. So Charles Manson basically said, hey, I'm going to pick five of you. I want you to go talk to him. Get him to join our family, our cult. And as a result, get him to promise and turn over all of his assets to the cult. All of your money, all of your cars, all of your houses, everything you have, turn it over to us because we'll take care of you, basically. Well, I don't know how you guys would respond to that, but I'd say, <laughs> fuck yourself. Hell no to the no, no, no. Well, it sounds fucking good, and then close the door, fuck them. He did exactly that. Uh, they held him hostage for two days. Didn't do anything to him. Didn't beat him, stab him, nothing like that. Uh, they just kind of tied him to a chair and left him there and said, you're going to join us. Or die. Or we're just going to leave here. So Manson got very infuriated and got, he just reached the end of his rope with it and said, I'm not waiting anymore. Do it or you're going to die. He said, fuck yourself. Manson said, okay. He instructed a family member to stab him to death after he was uncooperative. Then because of the time, because of the era, (laughs) the era, the era of time, um, they killed him. They wrote in his blood on the walls, political piggy, and then drew a panther paw on the wall with his blood, like I said, and they were trying to imply, they were trying to implicate the Black Panthers. Mm. Um, Manson, from what I was reading and from what I found out, he was very big on trying to make race war a thing. He was trying to turn one group against another and used a lot of murders and a lot of crimes and everything to try to manipulate it pretty much. Um, he, he was a master manipulator all the way to the end. And like I said, we'll get into that at the end. So this is where it gets interesting. Um, this is where he really starts evolving on his kills and starts evolving on the family kills as well. So we're going to go into the Tate and LaBianca murders, um, which are the most prevalent. This is where you can find all of the information. This is the reason that they got uh, arrested, 
this was all of their trial. This was everything. So starting with the Tates, um, he basically, this is where they get into the serial killer aspect of it. They basically would drive around on a nightly basis and say, I want you to go kill those people. Or like, hey, these people are like grocery store moguls. I want you to go kill them or whatever. So Manson ordered his family group to enter. Super odd to me that they have the address and pictures of the house. I don't know if somebody currently lives there. I hope not, but it's possible. One zero zero five zero Cielo Drive in Los Angeles. For what? Just go inside and kill everybody in the house. Because I said so. There was no reasoning behind it? Nope. <laughs> that sounds good. I want you to go in there and I want you to kill everybody. And I want you to make it brutal. I want you to make it gory. I want you to make it disgusting. I want you to go in there and wipe them out. So there were five people in the house. The people that he ordered into the house, I believe there were four, maybe five <laughs> of them total. They brutally killed all five of them. Um, so this was the beginning of where they started to evolve their murders because Charles Manson was displeased with the panic of the victims during the kills. He watched it all happen. And yeah, he was displeased with how much they panicked. And so he said, okay, on the very, that was August 8th, 1969 on the very next night, August 9th, 1969, the LaBianca family, Lino, Leno, however you say it, and Rosemary LaBianca. Charles Manson basically said to his four members that were with him, I'm going to go with you this time because I'm going to teach you how it's done. And yeah, so they drove around for several hours hunting for someone to kill, which is brings us back to our intro. How many times do you think a serial killer or just a murderer in general has passed by you or passed by anybody in the streets and been like, nah, not that one. Enough times to make me upset. (laughs) I don't know if I should be like, thank God, or like, why not? Why am I not good enough for you? Yeah. And serial killers definitely have a type. This family? No. You're my type. I want to wear you as a skin suit. (laughs) Okay, well. So like I said, they drove around for several hours hunting, looking for a kill. Um, They found the residence of Lino and Rosemary LaBianca and Manson said, I want you guys to stay here at the end of the driveway. I'm going to go up there and tie them up and incapacitate them. Then you're going to go in there and kill them. So he went up to the house, was gone for not very long, came back. He looked at the other, and I'm sorry, it was five people with him and said, you guys can come up here and join me at the house. Now we're going to have fun. Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. <laughs> Weird, sadistic motherfucker. So, from what I was reading into, the five people that were with him basically said that they they complained after the first kills the previous night that their weapons, that what they had to kill with, were inadequate. That they wanted better weapons. Well, he found them and gave them to the killers. Um. So... Tex Watson went in first and stabbed Lino LaBianca with a chrome-plated bayonet. 
first in the throat, and then 11 times after that, totaling 12 times, just in the front. So then they had Krenwinkle. Uh, so might I also add, um, I didn't write this down, but I do remember it. So while they were killing Leno, Leno, they heard some scuffle, some, you know, disarray happening in the bedroom where they had moved Miss LaBianca. So they had tied her to a lamp and they had tied it around her neck and then around her hands. And then that's how they incapacitated her. That's how Manson incapacitated incapacitated her. Jesus. And so they all went into the bedroom when Mr. LaBianca was down on the ground and like bleeding out and found Rosemary like swinging the lamp that was tied to her around trying to get them away from her. And they treated it as a game. They thought it was funny. And so Krenwinkle stabbed her first. And then uh, the girl, the other girl that was with them. So basically they were all instructed to be part of it. If they did not take part, then they weren't part of the family anymore. And that they were going to die. So that's how he manipulated all of them to kind of play their part. Um, But then another member was instructed to stab her as well. Rosemary was stabbed numerous times in the front. And 16 times in the back, 41 times total, approximate. Oh, my gosh. So, that bothers me so much. Why couldn't they do an even amount of times? <laughs> approximate. Approximate. You can only count but so many before they all... Some of her uh, smaller appendages were removed because she was cut up so much. Jeez. Wheeze. So they couldn't <clears throat> get a hard count <laughs> because she was stabbed a lot. Um, and as if that's not enough... After both were dead and confirmed dead, they went into the room where they killed Lino and stabbed him another 14 times. Just because. Hell yeah. Um, They actually took a carving fork from inside of that house, and that's what they used. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, They used both of their bloods to write... Like I said, they were all about the political side of it, so they were trying to start something, whether they wrote and for all of their kills and for everybody that they would, you know, kind of scout as a kill, they were all referred to with the same word, pig, piggy. Don't know why. Don't know what the obsession is, but it might have a correlation to do with the black Panther stuff since it all kind of runs together. Yeah. And I didn't go super in depth with that. Um, just because I feel like that would have been a huge rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, he did try to, he basically, with every kill that they made, they tried to insinuate someone else did it. Uh, the Manson family was very, very hard to take down. Charles Manson eventually did go down because of these kills specifically. Um, the Tate LaBianca trial is the one that they got uh, indicted on. So. Indicted. Indicted. Sorry. Wow. Indicted. Indicted. They, they got deep dicked, is what you meant to say. Yeah, well, Manson got real deep dicked. Um, actually what I did find, I know we're not going into the trials, but what I did find a lot of them were held in like such high security prisons that they wouldn't be around other inmates Mm. at all. Like they wouldn't be around people in general. They were just kind of stuck in a white room. And from what I, from what I also read, a lot of them were getting treated very well. They were getting like five star meals. 
my god. And yeah, they did not have a hard time in prison from what I read. What would you do with somebody who could end your life in any given second? See, that's the part that's interesting though, because none of them were that badass, if you will. The only reason they were able to do what they were able to do is because they hunted in groups. Not a single one of them, just looking at the pictures, they all look like cracked out pieces of shit. They're pack killers. Pretty much. The fact that five of them went into a house and killed five people is more impressive than five of them walking in and killing two. So my thing is... I don't know why I'm like grading them on an impressive scale, but... (laughs) Throughout your whole thing, never once did you say that Charles Manson himself killed somebody. So, getting to my interesting factoids. With number one, Charles Manson never killed anybody. Not a single soul. But he was the mastermind behind all of it. He was the mastermind behind it. When he got his sentencing and everything, not a single one of them was a murder charge. None of them. Really? None of them. He didn't murder. I was going to say, you can't charge somebody. A lot of conspiracy charges. A lot of planned kills. No kills. So his members did a whole lot more time than he did. Which he was a huge manipulator. So he, it, not praising him, but it's a pretty fucking smart way to do it. Yeah. So I only mentioned theoretically five plus two is seven plus the other two is nine. So I only mentioned nine kills. Um, It's the nine kills that most people know about as far as the Manson family goes, but they may have killed up to 35 people total. Um, And that's a very, not accurate number. It's a gracious number. Yeah, it was probably a lot more than that, but 35 confirmed to the Manson family. Not to mention the almost 70s and 80s were like a huge serial killer time. Yeah. So like, it's hard to tell who did what. (laughs) Yeah, so... A lot of people didn't get caught. The interesting thing about this, like I said, they would target... They were targeting a lot of high-profile people that they just couldn't seem to get a good plan for. So some of them, they actually admitted, and uh, like Tex Watson and everybody who went on trial said that they had a celebrity hit list. Uh, The hit list included people such as Frank Sinatra, Elizabeth Taylor. If someone whacked Frank Sinatra, pretty sure the mob would be on. (laughs) (laughs) So they had Frank Sinatra, Elizabeth Taylor, Tom Jones, and Stephen McQueen were the four that were prevalent in the listing and going back to our last episode we're going to throw back a little bit because abby mentioned wanting to go back and live in that time zone time era rather uh and for the beatles not for the beatles (laughs) it's all about ringo um the manson family was obsessed with the beatles abby would have been part of the manson family no abby was not obsessed with the beatles she's obsessed with john lennon john lennon that's Why true. Did you, okay. He's part of the Beatles. So he's dead. A part of the Beatles. That motherfucker dead. Now he's a part of the ground. <laughs> yeah, no. And when I say they were obsessed, I mean they were obsessed. Like some of their murder weapons were named after Beatles songs. Um, <laughs> wearing a Beatles shirt. <laughs> I named this club the Yellow Submarine. Charles Manson named his car the Yellow Submarine. This is Maxwell's Silver Hammer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> But yeah, no. So God, I learned a lot, and a lot of it doesn't make me feel very easy. So 
Well, it shouldn't make you feel easy because it's a pretty hard topic. And now I wish the serial killer would have chosen me. Some say it might be brutal to talk about. I fucking hate it here. God damn it. Can we talk about how I probably would have been in his change jar if my dream came true? (laughs) Manson's quarter. (laughs) Chris, what do you got? Well, I have a fuck ton. I actually took this topic and just hit the ground running with it. So I um, I have a couple unsolved murders and then I have two high profile um, murders as well. So I'm going to start off with a poem. Some of y'all might know. (laughs) Okay. All right. Yeah. Lizzie Borden took an ax and gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. Lizzie Borden. Never heard of that. But you right. never heard that? No. Wow. <laughs> wow. So Lizzie Borden lived from July 19th, 1860 to June 1st, 1927. Um, there was a fuck ton of stuff on her, but I there had been not enough paper in my notebook to write it down. So I kind of jotted down just a few little things. Um, so she was raised religiously. Um, her Mother died and her father remarried. Um, and it was never really said whether or not she had a good relationship with her stepmother. Um, but she did believe that Abby married her father for his wealth. Yeah, her stepmother's name was Abby. God damn it. <laughs> um, so on August 4th, 1892, she took an axe, allegedly. And killed her father and stepmother in Falls River, Massachusetts. Allegedly. Um, She was never, well, she was put on trial. She was found not guilty. And to this day, the murders have never been solved. Um, It is, it is. Did you, did you say a year for this? A year? Yeah. Like what year did this happen? August 4th, 1892. Okay. So back then, I assume because there was not a lot of ways to gather evidence back then. I assume that's why she was acquitted. Yeah. Um, without witnesses, was, without fingerprinting, without a lot of things like that, it would be very hard to, you know, convict somebody. Yeah. Convict somebody. Yeah. See somebody do it. Well, yeah. there's, there's a lot, I mean, a lot about it. Um, basically like there's, she was having issues with like finances and somebody was trying to buy the house and, there was a like axe handle found like it was it's so much shit so much and i i like i said there was not enough notebook paper for me to even start doing it huh. um so if lizzie borden is something you want to look up i thought you were going to say if she's listening do, i was like <laughs> do i don't think um her her house is actually a, on bnb now what um, yep and it is <laughs> stay there yep it is supposed to be haunted as well but I would so, think so. So that is that is something on my um, list of things to do is go stay at the Lizzie Borden house. Where is that? Uh, Falls River, Massachusetts. That's not even that far from here. It's pretty far. I mean, it's Ma- like a 14-hour drive. While we're in yeah. Massachusetts, we can watch a Red Sox game. Or you can go an hour and a half to Salem, Massachusetts and hang out and check out the Salem Witch Trials. Or we could watch a Red Sox game. Anyway. <gasps> anyway. Fenway Park, I'm down. Hell yeah. 
So that's, that's what, oh, okay. That's the first unsolved murder. Um, the next one hits a little bit closer to home for where we live. Um, people listening, y'all might not remember this, but it's called the Colonial Parkway Murders. I don't know if any of y'all have ever heard that about no. that either. Okay. I feel like I have, but I don't know why I feel like I have. All right. Well, they, this one is also an unsolved murder. Um, to kind of give you background, the parkway interlocks Jamestown, Williamsburg, and Yorktown together. Hmm. So back then, be, it was kind of the way you had to go to go home if you lived down in that area. When was it? So this was all done. Hang on. Uh, Mid 80s. Yeah. Um, I have so. some from 1987, 1989. Hmm. So, um, so the first two victims, Kathleen Thomas and Ann Dowski, um, were discovered on Columbus Day of 1986. Their mangled bodies were found inside their vehicle. They had no possessions were taken. Nothing was taken out of the car. They didn't try to do anything like that. They just two mangled bodies just chilling in the car. Fuck it. Why not? The second two victims. So the killer was in it for the kill. Yes. The second two victims were found September 20th, 1987. That was, uh, I'm going to butcher this last name, but David uh, Knobling and Robin, uh, Robin Edwards. Um, they were shot point blank. Um, police questioned if the killer was posing as uh, police, you know, as a PD, because when they found his, found the truck, um, his window was partially rolled down. And at the end of it, I have a story to tell you that kind of works into that. So it's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> the third two victims was Cassandra Lee Haley. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the most weird way to say that Cassandra no the third two the third the third two victims oh don't worry the third three victims it gets even worse so the third two victims the next couple (laughs) the third set of victims killed thank you was Cassandra or Cassandra which I want you to say uh Lee Haley and Richard Keith Call um they both went missing but their bodies were never found Oh. Um, there is question to if this was part of the murders, but only evidence. Um, the only evidence was uh, Richard's car. So, um, it was pigs. The fourth victims, <laughs> um, they disappeared Labor Day weekend of 1989. Uh, that was Anna Marie Phelps and Daniel Later. Uh, the car was abandoned at at the New Kent Rest area on 64. Um, they were very fucking close to yep. home. Kind of kind of gives you a little bit of chills, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, they were found October 19th, 1989. So basically a month later, they were found. Um, and the hunter, and they were found by hunters that were hunting up through that kind of corridor of uh, New Kent. Um, but they only found the skeletonized remains because of it being in such of a swampy, muggy area. Body just and they just decompose everything, scavenge it. Yeah, so they really didn't have any kind of evidence to go off of that. Um, the last two, and this is a potential fifth two victims. Um, fifth two victims, potential set of victims. <laughs> so this is the last set of killings that that is kind of speculated if this was part of the Colonial Parkway murders. But it happened 200 miles away from the Colonial Parkway. 
Seven years after the last two victims, Julia Williams and Lolly Winnens was found bound, gagged, and their throats slit. But it's, um, but they were found in the Shenandoah National Park. But it had the same identical setup same as, as the Colonial Parkway murders. Huh. Yeah. So this is where it gets really weird. Maybe he just got bored. I I grew up with my mom telling me a story about the Colonial Parkway murders. And I couldn't remember if it was her or my aunt. So while I was doing research, I called her. And apparently one night my aunt was going down the parkway and she wasn't speeding. She wasn't doing anything wrong. Had cop car pull up behind her with his, with his lights on. Followed her until she found a lit area to pull off. Car went by. Didn't stop. Didn't pull into the Exxon or, or whatever gas, gas right, station cool. Was. Well, I didn't have chills until right now. <laughs> that's fucking... Pretty fucking wild, right? That's pretty neat. That's pretty sketch. Yeah. How long did he follow... Or how long did that car follow her? I don't know. I don't know. Um, This was off of what my mom told me. Um, Just because I didn't, I didn't really talk to my aunt about it. Um, but that is the story that my aunt had. Uh, basically she was driving back home. I mean, it was late. She like maybe two, three in the morning. Um, and hang on, let me check my text messages, see if my mom actually put anything in here. Yeah. So it was about, she was driving down the parkway around one or two in the morning. Um, and she was coming back home from a night out in Williamsburg. So around one or two in the morning, cop cars or a cop lights, someone acting as police. She didn't stop, you know, because of everything that can be going on. So she found a gas station. I don't want an Exxon or whatever. And it was a lit area. And the, the car just went on by, turned its lights off and went on by. Huh. So you tell me. That that didn't have any correlation to the um, which one was it? I believe it was the, the second. second set of the second ones. Yep, David Nobling and Robin Edwards. The second two victims. Yep. So, let y'all sit there for a minute and stew on was that your, one. Was you? This was your aunt, right? Yep. Was she in the car by herself? Yes. It's odd to me. Let's say, in theory, she was getting targeted. Mm. If it was the Colonial Parkway killer, had he gotten out, walked up to the window, it seems like he only goes for pain. Goes, goes for couples. Sex well, of victims, or maybe even not, not maybe not even couples, but but pairs of like people. Here's yeah, the thing: two people at a time. There are multiple pull-offs to where couples could get busy in their car, which made it easier if he was acting as a as a. Police, police officers, officer. yeah, to pull up and be like, and hey, yeah, then do what he ever needs to do. Because if he didn't act like a police officer, any no- person would have been like, screw this, yeah, and like, fuck that, off. yeah, and freaked out. On top so, of that, if he felt like he was too skillful for one kill at a time and instead could go for two just to kind of, you know, show off in a way to the serial killer community, because I'm sure that does exist, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Being able to take out two people at a time, three, four, five groups of people at a time, 
instead of just going for one person, targeting one person and going after that as a kill, I'm sure is difficult. I don't want to say it's easier. It sounds easier. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds easier than going for a pair. Well, going I mean, for a car full. Let's just you, say you would imagine it being easier than going for multiple people because well, if you're dealing with one person at a time, there's nobody to try and run off or, yeah, or even right. fight back. Whereas at the same time, people, I don't know the you know the leading up to story. Did he start with killing animals? Did he start with killing one person? Well, nobody time? knows because yeah. nobody knows who he is. Um, that, never been caught. Wait, yeah, he's never been caught. Yeah. How many times have I passed by this murder. motherfucker? If he's if they are still if they're alive. still alive, yeah. So like that. I mean, when my arm was going down the road, it could have been a maybe. Let's just say an off night for him, and there wasn't too many people out. You know, getting busy in their car. He saw my aunt driving. Decided, hey, this will be a quick, easy, boom, bam, gone. Need the thrill. Yeah, and and she turned into a well-lit area, and he was like, mm, no, fuck that, and kept going. Huh. That's probably so, the reason that they were never caught to begin with. And I'm yeah. sorry, remind me, were all of the victims shot? No. No. So, Were any of them shot? Yes. Yeah. The first one, um, their, their mangled bodies were just found. Okay. Um, the second set was shot point blank. Yep. Uh, the third set were never found. Um, the fourth set was just found. Their skeleton remains were found. And then the fifth one, which was found in Shenandoah National Park, was they were bound, gagged, and their throats were slit. It's so odd to me that none of the victims were found in the same state. Like, no, none of, no pair of victims was found in the same regards as the last. So say yeah. none of the not all of them were shot, not all of them were bound and gagged. So what you if after that fifth that pair they were like found. What if after that fifth pair, whoever the Colonial Parkway killer was, was like, uh, I can't perfect my kill. I quit. Yeah, like I, I can't find and a never, way that, that suits me better. Or they just saw the Shadows in the car, and was like, "Oh, that's only one person. Not my vibe." Kept going. Yeah, because if you go back, serial killers—that's the only theme that they have. Because there's yeah. no other theme, so yeah. they're or, like, mm. "The thing is, is it even just one person?" Well, I was going to say, "Is it say, killer if, or if somebody else was on shift say, that night?" They're like, "No." Nope. If you're finding multiple sets of victims killed multiple different ways, who's to say it wasn't different people doing the killings? Yeah. Huh. So I don't know. My mom is actually reading kind of like a group. Exactly. Like, but even still, if you look back at the past of serial killers, you'll find that once they perfected their own kill, they stuck with with. it. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's, it's a repetition, and you know what they enjoyed, like the BTK. So, like some serial killers eat their victims. Some serial killers (laughs) hang them up on busy highways, like. Whatever it is, they find their kill, and then they whatever thrills them the most. Yeah, they they, they frame it. it out their way, and that's the way they do it every time thereafter. Well, it says it not being a gang initiation either. Yeah, because there is stories of you know the headlight thing. Yeah, driving of uh, if you see some a car street with- gangs driving down the road with no headlights on, and the first person to flash their lights to turn their headlights on, that's the person they go kill. Yeah. 
Yeah, if you see a car driving down the road at nighttime on a not busy road with no headlights on, don't flash. Or just keep that thing strapped. Yeah. Keep that nine on you. Clack, clack. So, um, now that is what I have for unsolved murders. I'm going to go to a more famous one. John Wayne Gacy, a.k.a. the Killer Clown. Gacy was born on March 17th. What? (laughs) (laughs) What was that? A little comedic relief. (laughs) Go. What are you doing? Nothing even happened. What are you doing, Step Clown? Step Pterodactyl. What are you doing, Step Clown? (laughs) So, um, he was born on March 17th, 1942. Um... He was born in... Isn't that St. Patrick's Day? I don't... Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, in Chicago, uh, Gacy and his siblings grew up with an alcoholic father who would beat their beat the children with a razor strap um, if they were perceived to have misbehaved. That's oh what they call them, razor Perceived strap. to have. Perceived, yeah. So they... Even if they didn't misbehave, if the if the drunk dad thought they were being, you know... You're being too damn good. Yeah, Bam. beat the no fuck out of him. him and all his siblings grew up so sharp. Mm. so um gacy suffered alienation at school uh basically was unable to play with other children because he had a uh, congenital heart condition um and it only became worse for him once he realized he was attracted to men this man had congenital herpes god damn it (sighs) here's the funny thing he was well liked in his community uh, he was also married and divorced twice and had two biological children in addition to two ch- two stepchildren. Gacy was a member of a Chicago area Jolly Joker Clown cu- Club uh, where he would perform as Pogo the Clown or Patches the Clown. That's what they call me. So he was doing all this while being in the closet? While being a serial Like killer? married twice, having kids? Yes. Yes. Um, he, would perform, he would perform at children's parties or the children's hospital. The the marriages probably further, yeah, further kind of took away from his identity and, and pushed him further into his identity crisis. Because probably. if he was trying to prove to himself that he wasn't gay because it wasn't okay at that time, then. Yeah. So, uh, the killer clown, sometimes Lord, 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 or Lord, whichever one, fuck it. Lord. Lord. Doesn't sound right, but I think it's right. <laughs> sometimes lured his victims uh, with the promises of doing construction work or some other ruse. Uh, there, he would then capture, sexually assault, torture, and eventually strangle them with his hands or rope. So Gacy was like a construction worker; like he was good with his hands and stuff like that. No pun intended. Obviously, if you're strangling. So, <laughs> uh, fun fact: Gacy once told a detective. Clowns can get away with murder. Yeah. While he was getting interviewed, he said, yeah, clowns can get away with murder. Did you look any further into the premise of that conversation? No. I didn't have time. I would love to get further into the premise of that. Um, Maybe on a different episode or we can do something later on. Okay. Um, But in 1968, Gacy was convicted of sexually assaulting two teen boys and given 10-year prison sentence. He was paroled in the summer of 1970, but was arrested again for another teen accusing Gacy of sexual assault. The charges were dropped when the boy didn't show up to trial. Huh. Huh. Wonder why he didn't Wonder show up. Wonder the fuck up. why not. Yeah. Uh, by the middle of... By the, 
By the middle of the 70s, two more young males accused Gacy of rape. Uh, he would also be questioned about the disappearance of others. Uh, Gacy referred to this period of his life as his cruising years uh, when he committed most of his murders. Um, and then I air quoted his cruising years. I know nobody can fucking see that. <laughs> so that was kind of what he called, you know, when he did his most cruising of his cruising years. Yeah. On his exploratory years. Mm-hmm. Exploring all the buttholes. On <sighs> gross. On December 11th, 1978, Robert, I'm going to butcher this last name. It's either Peist or Peist. It's P-I-E-S-T. Peist. Peist. Uh, went missing after meeting Gacy outside of his work to discuss doing, um, discuss a potential construction job. You know, see if he could get on and work with Gacy. Um, Ten days later, the police searched Gacy's house and uncovered evidence of his involvement in numerous crimes, including murder. It was later discovered that Gacy had committed his first known killing in 1972, taking the life of 16-year-old Timothy McCoy after luring him to Gacy's home. Police discovered several trenches filled with human remains in the crawl space beneath his house. Wow. Yeah. That would be interesting to come across. Um, <laughs> and I know I've made the joke. I'm pretty sure I've made the joke on here, too. Um, the joke where I say nobody can hear you scream six feet underneath your foundation. Yet that that's a joke, guys. Please don't come search my house or do. I don't care. Um, if you found stuff, let me know. Yeah, no shit. So uh, Gacy eventually confessed to the killings of about thirty people. Yeah, he was pretty damn fucking good, I guess. Um, he was guilty of committing 33 murders, and he became known as one of the most ruthless serial killers in U.S. history. He was sentenced to serve 12 death sentences and 21 natural life sentences. Wow. Motherfucker was never going to get out. That's crazy. In his next 21 lives, he's going to be in prison. Hmm. <laughs> well, the reason why Can they you do imagine that- dying in prison and waking up? In prison yeah, until you die again. Like a raccoon. Yeah, here's, <laughs> fuck, dude. Here's my question: If you're sentenced to death by, like, let's say, the electric chair, and you quote unquote die, but a couple minutes later you miraculously come back to life, you've technically served your life sentence at that point in time. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. There is actually a couple. Um, yes. Couple things about that. Like, there are actually a couple people that have had that um, happen to them. So, yeah, there's a couple. I actually read about one that happened as recently as, like, 1997, I think. It was death by electric chair in Texas. Electric chair <clears throat> killed the person for a moment. Heartbeat stopped. They flatlined. Uh, 14 seconds later, heartbeat started up again. And they were released mm-hmm. because they died. Theoretically. Technicality. That's yeah. Not- <laughs> yeah, and the dude who I remember reading the story. The only reason I remember it is because this dude was fucking huge. He was like six foot nine, three hundred and twenty-five pounds. And they didn't have a voltage high enough, basically, to run the voltage through his body. So they ran it for an extra twenty seconds <laughs> to make sure that his heart stopped. Quispy. And then it did. And then it faked him out. <laughs> well, it's not the the voltage that kills you. Yeah, it's I can't I can't remember the year. The year's probably wrong, but I know it wasn't in the big picture that long ago. It was pretty recent. 
Well, the reason why they do when judges sentence people like Gacy with 12 death sentences and 21 natural life sentences, it is basically saying you have no fucking way of ever getting parole and don't even fucking try. Yeah, and because if, I've, I've heard of people getting life sentences and getting out early on good behavior. Yeah. So if you give them 12 life sentences, there's no amount of good behavior. Yeah, they could be like, okay, well, we're going to knock it down to 10 life sentences. That's so dumb, though, because if you have one life sentence, that should be common sense that that's your life sentence and you can't get out. Like, Can you imagine having to... That's why they start like giving you, instead of saying a life sentence, like 100 years. Yeah. Because if you did something bad enough to get a life sentence, don't you think you shouldn't release them back into the <laughs> public? Like, I thought you were about to say into the wild. <laughs> no. Yeah, imagine getting sentenced... To two life sentences, right? And they sentence you to death by electric chair and you die the first time and then you have to do it again. Or you just, they, you die again for another second and you come back and they're like, damn, oh, shit. Well, I'm going to Golden Crown, shit. <laughs> we tried twice. Yeah, hey dog, get my clothes back. The horseshoe up your ass kept you alive. <laughs> so Like a lightning rod, it blew your asshole <laughs> out, but I mean, here you are. So even though he confessed to the murders... He would later deny it, deny being guilty of the charges and had a 900 telephone number set up with a 12 minute recorded statement declaring his innocence. So man got a area code 900 or whatever in telephone number to just strictly record his innocence that he did not do it. But even though he did that, they didn't give a shit. May 10th, 1994, Gacy was uh, executed by lethal injection. Um, his murdering spree lasted from 1972 to 1978. Hell yeah. So, and then he wasn't killed until 1994. Until 1994. Yep. So that just goes and shows you how long the trials were. Um, like, like Garrett said earlier, we weren't going to get in trials because if that was the case, well, we'd have to make like a part three, part four, part five. Yeah. I'm letting you know right now on record, off record that. If I become a serial killer, it's going to be some shit you've never seen before. Dude! Dirty Dirty Show does not condone. (laughs) Because I've never seen a serial killer. To your knowledge. Hmm. Allegedly. Allegedly. What if I am a serial killer? See, I'm thinking like set up a a series of wacky ropes and pulleys to drop pianos on people. I've done that one time. Okay, guys, keep an eye out for that. (laughs) Keep an eye out for random pads that say, stand here. Yeah. Pick this quarter up. <laughs> Abby! <laughs> what are you um, doing? Step quarter? And then my last one is very famous. Um, oh, shit, you had another one? That's yeah, I got one me. more, dude. God damn, we're so sidetracked. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> um, Y'all ever heard of Amityville Horror? Yeah. Oh, I remember you telling me about that. Go yep. So, before the whole Amityville Horror thing, this is how it all started. Mr. Ronald DeFeo Jr. He is currently 68 years old, serving six uh, concurrent sentences of 25 to life, and currently resides in the Sullivan Correction Facility in Fallsburg, New York. Why don't we go visit him? Yeah, let's not. I want to write him a letter. So, in 1974, (laughs) Ronald DeFeo killed his entire family, including his parents, brothers, and sister, uh, while they were sleeping in their beds. He had a very comfortable childhood, um, except he was emotionally troubled. 
Okay. Um, born Ronald Butch DeFeo Jr. Uh, he was born on September 26th, 1951. <laughs> he was the oldest of five. That's problem. <laughs> His father, Ronald Sr., uh, was a domineering authority figure and engaged in hot temperature fights with his children and wife. Wow. Okay. Yep. Uh, his his okay. father <laughs> abused him the most. He targeted Junior as because he was the oldest. Um, he was also bullied at school, and when he went to a psychiatric, it didn't help him at all. Like it just made him even more irritated and, and angry. Uh, because that didn't work, his parents thought it was a good idea to give him cash and presents to try to help him. Oh, this also a included idea. a $14,000 speedboat. Uh, yeah. By 17, he was... Do I have the boat? Can I have the boat? No. Damn. By 17, he was on... He was an LSD and heroin user uh, who became violent and was eventually expelled from school. Ronald DeFeo's behavior became worse. Um, he threatened... Uh, one time he threatened a friend uh, with a rifle on a hunting trip and then immediately after acted like nothing happened at all. Uh, he attempted to shoot his father with a 12 gauge during a fight between his parents, but he pulled the trigger and it malfunctioned. <gasps> Damn, son. Yep. Talk about foreshadow. So in the early in the early morning hours of November 13th, 1974, DeFeo used a 35 caliber Marlin rifle, entered his parents' room and shot them both while they slept. He then entered his brother's bedroom and shot them both in their beds, then proceeded to go to his sister's room and shot her point blank. He then showered, took his bloody clothes and rifle and threw them in a storm drain on his way to the car dealership that he was working at at six in the morning. He called home pretending he didn't know why his father hadn't shown up. He left a, He left at noon and was hanging out with friends and kept saying he didn't understand why he couldn't get uh, get a hold of anyone. Basically, trying to set up alibis. Yeah. Uh, at 6 p.m., he called a friend acting surprised saying someone broke in and shot his family. Um, there's a lot of other kind of conflict with that. There is talks about how he tried to get another family involved. Um, saying that like they killed him, you know, they were the ones behind it all. Um, but DeFeo was diagnosed, uh, with antisocial personality disorder, uh, which is basically a mental disorder characterized by disregard for other people. So he didn't give a fuck about anyone else. So Jesus Christ, we all have that. Uh, yeah, to an extent, I guess. Um, and after the murders, the Lutz family moved in on December 18th, 1975. So he killed them on November 13th, 1974 in a year and what a 13 months, basically a new family moved in. Um, yeah, 13 months and five days later, the Lutz family moved in and begins the story of Amityville horror. Uh, detectives found the rifle did not have in, in, Here's the funny thing. They found the rifle, and it did not have a suppressor, but they did find evidence of sedatives. So I didn't know if y'all were wondering, you know, why nobody the heard the gunshots. Why didn't anybody wake up from the gunshots? He basically drugged all of them. Um, and the funniest part of all of it 
he asked the police how he could cash in on his father's life insurance. Yeah. By not killing him. That's how. So, like I said, 13 months and five days later, the Lutz family moved in and begins the story of the Amityville Horror House. Horror house, not the whore house, Abby. Yeah, that's down the street. Damn it. So that is. Tell me dead bitches ain't shaking it up in there. That is the story on Lizzie Borden, the Colonial Parkway murders, John Wayne Gacy, and Robert DeFeo Jr. Did you not want to do your factoid about the Amityville Horror House? Uh, no, I'm going to save that for the paranormal episode that's going to be coming up okay uh because that's why i wanted to do this one last because that is going to be the last one topic we talk about for the paranormal episode cool so if you are listening to this episode and you happen to be a more invested listener and you're going to listen to the episode about the paranormal that we put out in october you're gonna want to listen because if you are familiar with anything to do with the amityville horror house it's information that you're going to want to have. Yep. So that's a good fucking teaser. And I think we should end it there. Does anybody have any questions? No. Nothing? Nope. In case he hears it and decides that I'm too nosy. No. <laughs> so. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. If you have enjoyed the show, follow us on Spotify. You can also like us on Facebook at The Dirty Dirty Show and email us at DirtyDirtyShow at gmail.com. We also have a TikTok, too. You can look us up at Dirty Dirty Show on TikTok. That's where we're going to have all of our stupid ass videos that we put out. I don't like how aggressive you get about TikTok. So. TikTok 2. TikTok, TikTok 2. TikTok motherfuckers. Timbuk 2. TikTok 2. I don't like how you Bless said you. we also have a TikTok too. <laughs> it's like we also have a TikTok also. As well. As well. Thank you. Look, guys. Okay, we just recently got a TikTok, so I haven't been able to write up a uh, Tell them the TikTok, Chris. Yeah, dog. You want the motherfucking TikTok? Go to TikTok and look up Dirty Dirty Show. So, if nobody else has anything to add, say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. All right, we'll catch you later.